0: Well good morning ZPC. What a great day yesterday was, right? I uh, got out on the uh, rail trail in Zionsville yesterday, and I saw many ZPCers. It was good. Now, not all of them um, said hi to me. Um, some of them acted like they didn't know me, which is a little awkward, you know, and you're like, hey, and they just keep going. And um, But overall, um, they said hi to me, which was really great. And um, so I hope that you had a great day. Last night, we had a chili cook-off here. There were 11 different kinds of chili that I felt obligated uh, to Try and partake. Um, so I don't feel very good right now, but but I tell you what, the chili uh, was great, and uh, we had a great time. So thank you to all those who put that on. And so this morning we are continuing our look um, at our True North series, remembering that in the first part. We talked about what do we believe, and what we believe, of course, at the core is that God loves us, that God has called us to be in relationship with him, that God's grace and love is preemptive of anything that we can do. And then, and in response to that love and grace, that's what we're talking about in this series, this part of the series, how do we respond with thankfulness for what God has done for us, and to kind of think of or look that through today, we're going to look at uh, the book of Acts, chapter two, verses forty-two through forty-seven, and this comes shortly after Pentecost. And so, let's read these words by Luke. He says, "They devoted themselves; they, being the early church, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship." to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day as they spent much time together in the temple they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts Praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we thank you for the sun yesterday, that, or the warmth that poured over us in this beginning of spring. We thank you for the rains overnight and for the ways in which they nourish your creation. And we pray, likewise, God, that you would nourish us as well this morning. Perhaps we've had a week of desert-like conditions, struggles, trials. And what we need this morning, Lord, is to be reminded of your love for us and of our call in this world. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So we've been talking over the last several weeks about lots of different ways that we respond to the grace of God. We do this by worship, by reading of Scripture. Uh, We do it by giving generously. We do it by totally surrendering ourselves to God. We do it by using the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. We do it by sharing our faith, as we said last week. And this week, what we're looking at is how one of the ways that we respond is by being a biblical community together. And I thought, well, if we're going to talk about what it means to be a biblical community, the best way to do that is probably to look at the early church here in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's kind of the quintessential biblical community if you will. And so our question this morning is, what do you look for in a biblical community? What does that look like? And if you're looking for a good biblical community, what should you look for? As I was thinking about that and what are the characteristics, um, I, I, uh, I saw on my Facebook feed a post by a friend of mine. It felt almost providential. You may have seen it, but uh, it's a little video that I want us to just quickly take a look at.
1: Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters.
2: We're so excited to find a church, we just started dating.
1: Um, with the churches we go to now, just not like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know?
2: Right, I I go to a satellite campus, I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen, it's just...
1: Okay, you cried during Cake Boss. So like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts, there are a lot of preachers we do like.
2: Really good, but we want we want serious, yet funny.
1: Yeah, like commanding of the stage, yet relatable, you mm-hmm. know?
2: We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick.
1: Hey guys, what's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh,
2: Ooh, wow. that's good.
1: Big deal. He does dress his age though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, so there's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed, oh. no? Okay, got it. Yeah. Perfect. So okay. hey, let me show you around. Okay, let's right, do, it. Let's Come do on. it. I do love this lobby. It's yeah. a great lobby. You know, yeah. it's not too big, not too small. Yeah. It should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. Okay. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name.
2: No. I First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just...
1: Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Okay. Now remember, right. it's pretty traditional here, so when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down Ooh. Got it, yeah. <laughs> but the one knock on this church, they still use the child care numbering system on the screens, Ooh, uh, for yeah. Yeah. or as the moms like to call it, the sanctuary walk of shame. shame. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional for, for us. For
1: us, I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. Yeah. I really think you guys are gonna love this place. I like we it. We do, we like it, feels great. it, yeah. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse, you know?
2: Scripture heavy sermons? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about, uh, is it community oriented? Absolutely. Great.
2: Women in ministry?
1: The parking situation, you guys gotta see it. Super rare nowadays. Come
2: with me. There's like a a maybe for when my parents come into town, for a church for Christmas, Easter type of church. Like a holiday Holidays. type church.
1: One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join.
0: Perfect.
1: Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. You're just, you're just gonna put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? on the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really going to love this place. They take relevance to a whole new level. This church identifies as interdenominational. denominational This pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible.
0: Isn't that great? I-, I thought about popping up here with my knees frayed. Not a hole, but frayed, but thought that that wouldn't go well. Um, now, this is obviously a spoof. Hopefully you got that. Um, but of course, the reason why it's a spoof is because there's a fair amount of truth kind of embedded in it, right? I mean, we all have, uh, as we go around, as we look for a biblical community as, or a church, we all have different things that we are looking for. And what's interesting, in some ways kind of good, in some ways sad, is when you juxtapose the video, or what oftentimes we might be looking for with what we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. When you put those two things together, it seems somewhat disheartening in many ways, almost abrupt in terms of what it is that God desires in a biblical community versus oftentimes what it is, if we're all honest, that many of us are hopeful for. And so the question is, what does it mean to be a biblical community? And the place to begin that question is not with asking what it means to be a biblical community. If you begin with that question, you will always end in the wrong place. The place to begin by asking what does it mean for us to be a community together, what does it mean for us to be the church, is to begin not with ourselves, but with God and God's mission. So every time that we have an inquirer's class, every Friday night, we meet together at our home, at uh, Megan and I's home, and we, we gather together, we get to know each other, we eat some food, and then on Saturday mornings, we get together again, and, and I kind of teach a little kind of 45-minute, I don't know how long it is, something like that, it's supposed to be 45 minutes, and, um, uh, and so I want to just, I know that some of you have been to that class, but not all of you, and so I want to kind of um, just kind of recap what I oftentimes say in that class. And the beginning is the mission of God, and what I usually do is I use a whiteboard, but we didn't have a white—I didn't want to try to use a whiteboard in here—and so we have, uh, we have something here, and this is the timeline. This is what I call the timeline of God. Now, obviously, God has no beginning and no end, but we do, okay? And so this is kind of a timeline of the mission of God that we see throughout the creation of the world up until today, and of course, it begins in Genesis one with. Creation, that's exactly right. Good. And what do we always say about creation? That when God created the world, that he did it much like a parent, right? remember, we talk about this. that he Just like when a parent or a soon-to-be parent gets the nursery ready, right? Even before the child is born, they're painting walls. They're putting in a crib. They're putting in a mobile. They're getting a changing table. They're doing all of those things because they know they already love this child who is yet to be born. And in much the same way, God got all of this creation prepared for us before we were born because God loved us and God wanted to be in relationship with us, right? And so God created us, and then he created Adam and Eve, and he created Adam and Eve, and he did so, right? And that's kind of joining there the mission of God. And Adam and Eve were created out of love, and there, and God wanted to be in relationship to him, right? We think that he took walks with Adam and Eve, right? He wanted to be in relationship with them, and he wanted them to love one another and to love the earth. That's why he called them to be stewards of the earth, but of course. At some point, right, as we talked about not long ago, there was a separation. Adam and Eve didn't trust that God really loved them, right? And so, and so then God had to work through other ways. And so then we have Abraham and Sarah. And you remember Abraham and Sarah. And God came down and God said, I love you, Abraham and Sarah. And I want to be in relationship with you. And you are going to do great things for me, right? You are going to be blessed in order to be a a blessing, right? So there we see, we see the mission yet one more time, right? And then we see Moses, right? Another story in Scripture. You have the story of Moses, right? And and Moses didn't know for sure that he wanted to be loved by God. But eventually God said, oh, no, you are loved by me, and we will be in relationship. And sure enough, they were in relationship. And then he called Moses to do what? To go and to help his people to be free of the chains of slavery, right? That he was called, Moses was called to reflect that love of God and to free others from slavery. Then you have the story of Joseph. Right, We did this story maybe last summer or the summer before last. And, and this is, again, a story of how God called Joseph early on. And God spoke to him through dreams. right? And Joseph knew that God loved him, that he had been called. right? And in the midst of all the ups and downs of life, that God continued to, to be called to Moses or continued to call Joseph and continued to love him. And then had Joseph do amazing things, right? like keeping people from famine, right? reflecting God's love. And then as you continue in the Old Testament, we see prophets, right? You have all kinds of prophets. And typically we think that prophets are kind of angry people, right? But, but, but prophets were actually not angry. What they were doing was they were saying to the people of God, to the Israelites usually, look, you have clearly forgotten that God loves you. You have clearly forgotten that God wants to be relationship with you. You have clearly forgotten that you are called to care for others, to reflect my love, right? This is the mission of God. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see God calling people and reminding people of his mission. And then, of course, we have the birth of Jesus. And there is no more perfect image of God's mission than the birth of Jesus. Jesus, as Eugene Peterson says, who was born into our neighborhood. He was born into the neighborhood in order to be in relationship with us. And in order then to call us to love others and to remind us. Jesus said there are two great commandments. To love God and to love our... This is not rocket science. This is is the mission of God. And so then Jesus spent three years with the disciples. And what do you think he was telling the disciples? He was telling the disciples, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. And you are called to reflect that love to others. And he showed them this through his words and through his actions And then at Pentecost, you had the Spirit of God that came down, and you had the church that was birthed, right? And what is the call of the church? This is going to surprise you. The call of the church is to be reminded and to help people remember that they are loved by God, that people are called to be in relationship with God, and that they are then called to go and to reflect that love to others. And we see it in the letters of Paul. We see it throughout the New Testament. But what's significant to see is that this does not end at the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, Revelation. Revelation. No, the mission of God continues. And over the last 2,000 years, through our early church fathers and mothers, through, uh, through things like the Reformation. This is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, if you've forgotten that. Through the Reformation, right? Throughout all of this time, the church's role has been to be a part of the mission of God. And then, in 1983, something else happened know what that was. ZPC began. Early church believers, ZPC, and why did they begin? They didn't begin because of the fact that they were bored and that there was nothing else to do, right? People in our area are never bored, and they can always come up with something to do if they need to. No, they were born, they were birthed out of a desire, because they thought in this part of God's creation, in this part of the USA, in this part of Indiana, and in this part of the Indianapolis area, God has a mission. And that mission, this is going to surprise you, is to let people know that they are loved by God, that God desires to be in relationship with them, and that he has called them to go out and to reflect that love to others. This is the call of ZPC because it's a call of the church. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought perhaps even better than just a straight line of God's mission maybe would be a symbol like this because this is a little bit more like a river. Because what I like in this image is of the early church and of the church continuing our call, if we want to be a part of the mission of God, if you think about it like a river, is that the Spirit of God throws us into this river, and we have no idea where it is going to take us. And what I like about that is that it's a difference between throwing ourselves into the river or standing on the shore, as sometimes we prefer to do, dip a little pail in of God's mission and kind of scatter it around a little bit, but stay in the safety of solid ground. And what the mission is, is to completely dive in to God's river and have it take you wherever it may be. But what's significant to remember is that we begin not with the church But we begin with God's mission. There's this quote that comes from, I think it's from a missionary conference long ago, that says this. It says, God's church. It's not this one. God's church. Don't read this. Good. Anybody read that one? Not yet. God's church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. Let me say it again. God's church does not have a mission, God's mission has a church. Another way to say that, Betsy, is this. The church of Jesus Christ is not the purpose or the goal of the gospel. It is the instrument and the witness of the gospel. In other words, what we're doing right now, this was never intended to be the end. And as soon as you make this the purpose, as soon as you make this the goal, you will inevitably fall short in being able to fulfill God's mission because you will inevitably become about ourselves. We will inevitably inevitably become just like that video, quite frankly, where what you're asking for is what's in it for me, or even what's in it for us as a church. right? And that's never the end purpose. However... We will also never fulfill God's mission if we try to do it without the community of faith. Why? Because it is the community, it is the church through which God has chosen for some reason to work. God's mission, we've already said several times, and the strategy he has is to use us as a church. So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, this is where Acts 2 is so helpful, I think. Acts 2 gives us a whole litany of things that we are supposed to be doing as the early church. It says things like this, that they were listening to the teachers, they were listening to the apostles teaching, okay? That they were gathering together in fellowship, that they were breaking bread in one another's homes, that they were praying with one another, that they were, um, that they were doing miracles, they were seeing signs awes, awes, of awe and wonder, they were awed by everything that was happening, that there was a certain sense of togetherness, they were sharing things together, that they were holding all things in common, that they were selling their possessions and giving to any as, uh, as they had need, right? if They were giving to the poor, That they were spending, uh, what's the next one? Spending time together, right? I know that's in there twice because it says it twice, right? Which means it's significant. So they were spending time together. They were eating food together, breaking bread again in one another's homes. They were praising God together. They were um, getting the goodwill of others. Others had their goodwill, and they were growing daily in numbers, right? That these are the things that the biblical community was doing. In a book called uh, The Shaping of Things to Come, they divide this into kind of three categories, if you will. First of all, they have these, the teaching, breaking bread, praying miracles, and praising God. And they say that this is communion with God. This is forming relationship with God. That one of the key things that the early church and that biblical communities do is they help us to grow in our relationship with God. That makes sense, of course. We would think that. The second thing that they point out are these things, fellowship. Togetherness, things in common, time together, and eating food, right? Joining in relationship. They call this community building, if you will. This is deepening our relationships with one another, right? It's important to see... That since the beginning of the church, they have been eating donuts together and having quarterly brunches, right? This has been going on from the very beginning, that we are always gathering around the table together. Why? In order to develop relationship with one another. That's a key component of the early church. And the third thing that we see are these. Selling their possessions, giving to the poor, uh, giving to the not to the poor and to the poor, uh, gaining uh, the goodwill of others, and that they were growing in numbers. And what does that mean is that they were never content to simply be about themselves, and this is called a commission. That there was a sense of sentness that each of them had. That all three of these components are pivotal the communion with God, the community with one another, and being commissioned. They are all critical if they are going to be the church that God has called us to be. Now what I discover and what most folks discover is that most churches are really good at doing one or two of those things, but they're not always good at doing all three. It's hard to do all three, but the truth is it is critical, right? What is the good if we have great teaching here? I'm not saying that I didn't mean that literally here, but when Scott's up here, right, um, what's the point if you go to a church that has great teaching and yet you keep it all to yourself? What's the point? It's a waste of time. Or what if you're really good at getting together with one another and you've got great friends and all your brothers and sisters in Christ, you guys are really close. You know, that's a social club. You can get that almost anywhere. What's the point of that if you're not actually making a difference in anyone else's life and if you're not rooted in God? Or what if, what if you're really good? What if the church is really good at reaching out, right, but it's not, it's not anchored in God, Inevitably, what you see is people beginning to burn themselves out because they keep doing those things. They try to do it alone. They don't try to do it in community. And it ends up dying, which is not of much help in the long run. And so what we desire to do then, what we at ZPC, what the leadership desires to do is to try to say, how can we at ZPC be all three of these things? Be communion, be community, and be on a commission, be on a mission for God. One of the things I like when I do this for the inquirers is that right after I'm done, I'll usually grab a donut and then I go home. But behind me are a list of people who come forward and they begin to talk about the ways that CPC is trying to do these things. Right? Usually we'll have someone from banquet or from home groups that will come in and say, these are the ways we're trying to deepen people's relationship with God. Someone from the deacons will come in and, and tell us about these are some of the ways that we try to care for one another. Someone from mission commission may come in and say, these are the things that we're trying to do for people beyond our walls, right? Now look, we do these things, and are we perfect? Yeah, we really are. There's, I'm just kidding. We aren't perfect, but I will tell you that I am always impressed with how much our folks really are desirous of doing these things. I want you to know, again, this is my second compliment to you in two weeks, so don't get too excited. I want you to know that it is a joy to pastor a community of faith who, even though we're not doing it perfectly, is very much longing to be able to engage in all three of these components of what the church is called to be and what we're called to do. But the question that I asked or the statement I said about us being perfect, is, I think, an important one to think about when it comes to biblical community. Because here's what I've discovered. Is that oftentimes when it comes to good, perfect, or, or biblical community, people look at this text in Acts 2 and they think, well, that's what the church is supposed to be all these churches around here that i see they're they're trash they're not doing this this is ridiculous you know why can't we just be that church and they have these massive expectations when they look at this acts 242 through 47 or they come into our building let's just say Right, and they have these massive expectations. you know people like this. it might be you, and you come in and then you're not here for maybe that long when someone does you wrong or someone bothers you, and you think, well, that's not the early church I see in acts two forty two through forty seven and and they begin to get upset, and maybe they get a little cynical, and so then they decide to go to another church, right, and more than likely. They're going to see that at the other church as well, right? And you, and, or eventually maybe they just stop going to church altogether because they had these great expectations. They say, look at the early church. Why are we so pitiful, right? That's biblical community. And I want you to know something, that the early biblical community was not perfect. Look at three chapters later, Acts 5. Many of you probably know this story, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They're a part of the early church. And Ananias and Sapphira do exactly what everyone's doing. They sell what they have, and they then deliver it to the apostles. They put it at the apostles' feet. Perfect. Oh, I knew it. This is the early church. They're perfect. But, of course, what they didn't tell anyone is that they had kept some of it back for themselves. And so Peter says, well, this is, this is great. Is this Is this everything? Oh yeah, 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 We sold the house right over there. You saw it, it was over there on First Street, and we came and we, we put it all there. And Ananias said, you, or Peter said, you know what? It was all yours. You you could have, you didn't have to sell it. And you certainly didn't have to tell us that you had given everything. But now you've lied, not to us, you've lied to God. And so just like this, Ananias is struck dead. This, by the way, is our next generosity campaign Something. <laughs> Then Sapphira comes, right, because she wasn't there three hours later. And Peter says, is this everything? Mm-hmm, "Yeah, yeah." And boom, she ends up being struck dead. Right? Here's the point. If, if you think about it, if what biblical community is, is communities that you find in the Bible, guess what it's full of? People just like you. And people just like me. People who struggle at times with being honest, who struggle perhaps with being generous, who struggle at times with really reflecting Jesus as much as we should. If you're looking for the perfect community, A, you've come to the wrong place, and B, you let me know when you find it. But if you're looking for biblical community, for a people who are trying and yet who struggle, then this may be the right place for you. I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a great quote. It says this, that he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the Christian community. In other words, that if you have this idealized expectation, oh, this is what the early church is and this is who we should be, that ultimately you will end up destroying yourself and the community. Because the expectations are much too high. It's much like marriage, I think. When I do premarital counseling, whenever I was kind of learning how do you do premarital counseling, I, I went through this little workshop, if you will. And one of the categories that we always have people fill out is something to try to figure out what are your marriage expectations. Because what we discover, this is especially true for people who are young, for couples who come in who are young, is that they have these just idealized picture of what marriage is and even of one another. And they'll come in, and, and it's great, and they'll say, oh, you know, I'll say, what do you, what do you love about each other? What do you, you know, and, and, and they'll talk, and, you know, and, and, and she'll say, you know, I just, even the way he picks his nose, it is, there's something about it. It's amazing. It's just, there's something, it, it's powerful, really. And she'll say, you know what? Or he'll say, you know what, man, I go over to her apartment And there's just stuff everywhere. She is a beautiful mess. And I think in five years, neither of those things are going to be commendable. And what we have to do is we have to try, I know this sounds bad, but we have to try to lower the bar a little bit, right? Because if you don't, or a lot, because if you don't, what happens is you go into the marriage, and you expect all of these wonderful things about the other person, or you think all of these things, and when the reality hits, you are sunk, and it ends up destroying the marriage. Now, on the other hand, you also can't go in there with no bar at all, right? I mean, there are times when I ask those questions, and the answers I receive are like, you know, what do you love about, well, you know, he's got a really good job. He's just, and he's just, he's, he's just, I, you know, it's, it's going to be great. You know, or, or he's like, you know, she's really hot. And this is, this is not, I mean, this, these things really happen. Now they'll put it a little bit nicer and they'll put in a couple of other things, but you know, it's leading the way. And you think, no, 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 no. This is not enough. Because what a marriage should do is it should propel you forward. It should help you to be even more than you would be on your own. Which, of course, is why it's important to look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. And oftentimes when people look at this, they try to figure out all the ways that it doesn't pertain to today. Because of the fact that they get nervous that if we're really supposed to do these things, this is really going to be costly. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is there in order to propel us in order to push us, to encourage us. And Acts 5 is there in order to remind us oftentimes of the reality of what it means to be the early church and what it means to be the church now. So what happens is is in just a couple minutes, we're going to bring in some youth and we're going to bring in some adults to be members of ZPC. And what they are bringing is they are bringing their hopes, their faith, their gifts, and their imperfections. And those things are joining us with our hopes, our gifts, our faith, and our imperfections. And at that place where those things are joined together is where biblical community begins. And at that place is where the Spirit of God picks us up up and throws us into the river into the mission of God what this biblical community about is about is not about what kind of genes or how good looking the pastor is there are so many places to go with that but I'm going to leave that there right it's not about the size of the building it's not about how loud or quiet things are. It's not even about the music. And as soon as we make it about those things, we have not only diminished the church, we have diminished God. But it is about all of us coming and joining together with our faith, our hope, our gifts, and our imperfections and saying, Spirit of God, throw us into your mission. We don't know what it's going to be like. There are going to be times we're going to try to jump out of the water and climb onto the shore. But in those moments, we pray that you would pick us back up and throw us in. And my hope continues to be that as we allow ourselves to be thrown in that river together, That God will take us to places we never could have imagined if we had just thought that being church was about this right here. Sisters and brothers in Christ, God's church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. Might we be a people who are willing to dive into that mission of God and take it wherever it is that God calls us. Amen.